The Blessing of Giving. Welcome to Stewardship and Romance, a Biblical Marriage and Family Online Training Center. This is the first of several episodes on the topic of financial stewardship, which is a hot topic for married couples. We're going to provide more than one podcast on this subject because there is so much to learn that will be of great benefit to everyone, whether you're married or not. Money and possessions are referenced more than 800 times in the Bible. In fact, Jesus talked more about money than any other topic. So why is that? It's because he loves us. God knows our propensities. As a good father, God teaches his beloved children the things they must learn well in order to thrive in life. And money is one of those things. The principles of Scripture regarding money apply to every human being, regardless of whether they believe in God or not. It's just like gravity. You may not be consciously aware of the financial precepts God presents in His Word, but your own financial success is dependent on following those precepts. And that is the purpose of these next few podcasts, to present to those hungry for change the key principles of financial success presented to us in Scripture. So let's get started with Episode 6, The Blessing of Giving. Give cheerfully and liberally. God loves it when we give cheerfully whatever we have determined in our hearts to give. Why is that? Because He knows that when we give from our hearts, it sets in motion a universal principle that applies to all of us, regardless of how rich or poor we think we are. 1 Corinthians 9, 6, and 7 says, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. It's interesting that the richest people in the world are also the most generous. There is abundant evidence that giving makes people rich. There's an example in the Entrepreneur Magazine, October 17, 2007. It states, While the link between giving and prosperity is not as mechanistic as returns on municipal bonds, there are some very earthbound explanations for it. Psychologists and neuroscientists have identified several ways that giving makes us more effective and successful. For example, new research from the University of Oregon finds that charity stimulates parts of the brain called the caudate nucleus and the nucleus accumbens, which are associated with meeting basic needs such as food and shelter, suggesting to the researchers that our brains know that giving is good for us. Experiments have also found that people are elevated by others into positions of leadership after they are witnessed behaving charitably. The financial advantages of giving aren't limited to individual givers. There is also evidence that donations push up income even more at the level of an entire nation's economy. Luke 6.38 says, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. In other words, the more you give, the more God will give to you. The more God will give to you to give. And of course, give with humility, not with a desire to get rich. God knows our hearts. Jesus said, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. In other words, don't focus on the good that you're doing. Just do it. 
kind of like that Nike model, right? Just do it. Now let's talk about um, phases of giving in our lifetime. There's three main phases of giving that we've discovered. And they are, in brief, tithing, which is the foundation phase, impact giving, which is the accumulating wealth phase, and legacy giving, which is the strategic income phase. So let's talk about tithing first. How much does God expect us to give when we're tithing? Some say, God owns 10%, so always give that. Then the rest is yours. But from what we see in Scripture, when we come to Christ, we give Him everything. Not just 10%. The Master owns it all, 100%, which includes our bodies, our minds, our talents, our possessions, and our money. Throughout history, beginning with the book of Acts, we see believers led by the Spirit giving out of their want, not just 10%, but everything they have to live on. Basically, the tithe is 10% of your income, which is referred to as first fruits. Some say that the tithe was abolished in the New Testament, but remember that Jesus came to fulfill the law, not to abolish it. As far as we see it, the principle of the tithe was not abolished in the New Testament. It is still a tangible expression of our love to God. It's our way of saying, it all belongs to you, God. Here is our offering again that we give cheerfully to you. Megan and I began tithing 10% of our income to our local church when we first got married back in 1983. Back then, I was making a small salary as a Christian school teacher. Over the years, we have watched God work countless financial miracles for us as we raised our five children. Their expenses included private school tuition, ballet instruction, basketball, trips to Italy, family vacations, birthday parties, and of course, weddings. And all these are great things. Uh, We understood the principle of tithing, and so by faith, we made a firm decision to tithe 10% of our income regardless of our circumstances. That wasn't always easy, but God was always faithful to supply our needs. He worked miracle after miracle for us and our children over the years, and we always had everything that we needed. So now let's talk about the next phase of giving is impact giving, the accumulating wealth phase. With the coming of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, we are given the power to go way beyond what Old Testament law requires and to do that cheerfully. Everything in the New Covenant goes to a whole new level compared to the old. Greater miracles, greater joy, greater self-control, greater loving, greater sacrifice, and greater giving. Since the Holy Spirit resides within us, we can do all of this as we keep in step with Him. When the Spirit says pray, we pray. When the Spirit says worship, we worship. And when the Spirit says give, we give, not under compulsion, but with joy. This is where you are giving to causes as the Lord leads you. For our family, this was missions. We were also continually giving to our church's missions program and building projects. We weren't giving very much, but the little we gave took faith for us, and we believe we were rewarded for that faith. The extra income began to flow from unexpected sources, such as song royalties. And as a result of a single royalty payment, Megan and I were able to take a missions trip to Kenya together in 1990 as part of a ministry team. You might be wondering, well, how do I know what to give to? We give as the Holy Spirit leads us. 
Scripture teaches that we are to give to the one who shares the word with us. That's Galatians 6 6. It says, Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. So that's an obvious one. Uh, second, we are to give to mission. Philippians 4 6 to 18 says, Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Also, ask the Lord to show you how you can help the needy. Maybe sometimes the Holy Spirit will emphasize that you give of your time. And uh, Meg's going to share some stories with us now about things like that. And she has some great stories to tell you right now. So go for it, Meg. So, um, piggybacking on what John just said about serving the Lord with your your talents or, you know, just serving, um, there was a time when the children were little, our five children, and I was very involved in Christmas productions for our church. And I would be sewing costumes and doing choreography and leading the children's production. And I remember being very busy several Christmases with things. But one particular Christmas, um, I, I really liked to make cinnamon rolls for our family for Christmas. And I didn't have time because I was busy serving and I was happy about that but I just was kind of like oh Christmas is here and I haven't made those cinnamon rolls and that morning Christmas morning we got a knock on the door nobody knew about this but you know kind of just the secret in my heart Um, and a neighbor knocks on the door and had a whole pan of freshly made cinnamon rolls and I just stood there and I just went you cannot outgive God. You cannot outgive God. And then I remember a time when, um, you know, living on a tight budget with our family, we went to buy shoes at one of the generic shoe stores, you know, not necessarily name brands, but just, you know, nice shoes. And um, I knew that all the kids needed shoes, but I kind of wanted to have some too. And I remember praying and going, huh, we can make, we can get shoes for all the kids, but probably not going to be able to get mine. So I was just praying and I really got a, a, a not a no, no peace about buying shoes. So a couple weeks went by and I, and I was just going to buy a little pair of Ked tennis shoes and they were even on sale, I think for $5. They were so cheap, but if it's not in the budget, couldn't do it. Um, didn't want to take it out of food. And so I didn't buy those shoes. And they weren't like the real kind of kid shoes with the name brand. They were similar, but I was at a garage sale. Walking up to the garage sale, there was a box, and it said free on it. And I went out there, and I looked in that box, and there were seven pairs of Ked brand, Ked's brand, tennis shoes. And they were my size, and they were brand new, brand new. And I just went, I couldn't believe it. So I picked out three pairs because I knew I'd wear those colors. And then I asked the lady why she was giving these away for free. And she said, well, I I have a shoe addiction and I just have to get rid of things. So I was just sitting there going, wow, it, you know, the Lord already knew something was coming, but I just, you know, needed to 
take care of my family first, and God took care of me later, so in His way. Another um, day, John was teaching school, and he had $4 in his wallet, and one of his colleagues was having a birthday, and he had a birthday card in his desk at school, and he put $4 in there and gave it to his colleague, and you know, it wasn't very much, but it was something, you know, and it was crazy that afternoon or later in the evening, that same day, somebody came to our house and gave us $400. And I, I just still kind of marvel at that. It's 400%. I mean, you know, you, you give everything you had in your wallet and then God says, well, I'm going to do this. Now, it's not going to happen every time. But when it does happen, it's kind of like um, it shocks your senses enough so you start to believe the Lord is taking care of everything. And there's other times when you're serving, maybe um, someone's coming to your church and they're going to be speaking, it's a guest speaker, and you maybe don't have the money to give them, but you you come with something. And I remember one day sewing an apron for this guest speaker that was speaking at our women's conference, and I was really praying when I was making it about the colors and about what word I would embroider on the front of it. And um, I gave it to her and she opened it up and she just looked at me and she said, I've always wanted an apron, but I've never ever bought one. And the colors are my kitchen colors. And the word that you put on there, fruitful, is the word the Lord's been speaking to me about. And I just went, you know, it not only encouraged her, but it encouraged me that that when you give gifts, um, you know, the blessing of giving, it's more blessed to give than receive. It just kind of comes back on you. Like John was talking earlier, you just have this, I don't know, great feeling that you were cooperating with God in that moment. And you might not know the, you might not ever know what happened as a result of your giving because the Bible says don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing you might not ever know but sometimes you will know and when you do know it's just a blessing to know but it doesn't really matter either way just as long as we're listening to the Holy Spirit and giving what He tells us to give if it's service, if it's money if it's um, your talents giving something that you, you've created to somebody. So there you go. There's some little stories for you. <laughs> Good. Thank you, Meg. That was great. All right. So then the uh, the next phase of giving after the, uh, the tithing phase and uh, impact giving, the next one is legacy giving. That's the strategic income phase. And this is the, uh, the particular phase of giving where we're giving a uh, while we're still alive, we're we're accumulating resources of, of all all different kinds that will be enjoyed. Some of it now, maybe, uh, but uh, much of it will be enjoyed after we're already gone from this place. Uh, so, what we need to do is always prayerfully consider ways we can give really big. For that kind of big giving, it, it takes dreaming big. So, dream big. We want to leave a legacy that includes an estate for our children to inherit, uh, maybe schools, uh, 
Megan and I would like to write books and courses and uh, and create products that people will be benefiting from a long time after we're gone. And so you can think about what would that be for you? And what would you like to leave? What's the Holy Spirit saying that he wants to create through you that can be enjoyed after you're gone? It, it could be something simple or or it could be something very complex and just really big. But in God's mind, it's all big, though. Whatever it is that he's destined for you, if, if it's if a simple thing that you give that people can still enjoy after you're gone, then that's good. Yeah, so there's no such thing as a uh, a small gift. If, if it's pleasing to the Lord, it's a good one. And, and that kind of reminds me of the story of the widow's mite. She put like one little coin in the offering, and, and Jesus said it was bigger than all these other people that brought these big gifts. So it really doesn't matter. It matters about your faith level and just what, what the Holy Spirit's saying uh, to you. That's so true. Thanks, Meg. Don't put any limitations on what God can do through you. He wants you to dream big. He's the God of the impossible. Ask Him how He wants to bless others through you, which includes not only your family, but your church and uh, your community, maybe even the whole world. Another aspect of giving we want to switch to now is uh, the issue of the heart the Bible says to guard your heart. So in the end, we will not be taking money and possessions with us. Guard your most precious eternal possession, your heart. God knows our propensities. He gives us commands in his word so that we don't hurt ourselves. He's not just commanding us to ruin our fun. No, he wants us to have more fun. So he puts borders around us so that we can have fun. Um, Here are some principles regarding giving from the heart in Scripture that we should follow as we pursue financial freedom. Principle number one is give regularly and generously, not just because there is a need to give to, but because our hearts have a tendency of holding on to riches. So the more we give, the more we give our heart a chance to uh, be as it should be. Hoarding means saving money without having a specific need in mind. This is actually a form of idolatry. And idolatry is simply giving first place in our hearts to something other than God. Matthew 6.21 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Principle number two is check your motives. Give because you genuinely care about people, not for any selfish reason. Jesus said, Thus, when you give to the needy, Sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. Principle number three is be content with what you have. The Tenth Commandment, is thou shalt not covet. Coveting means taking delight in something in a wrong way. 1 Timothy 6.10 says, The love of money is the root of all evil. Notice it doesn't say that money is the root of all evil. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. It's when money has our hearts that there's the problem, not just having money itself. There is nothing wrong with having money and possessions. 
But when those things have you, then there is a big problem. And now we're coming to the end of this particular teaching, and we'd like to recommend a course for you. We'd like to recommend um, something that has changed our lives. As we were raising our five children, uh, we went through Dave Ramsey's course, Financial Peace University. And and as of because of following the principles in that course, to this day, we have no consumer debt, no student loans, and no car loans. And no wedding loans. That's right, no wedding loans. So we have just our mortgage, which we are quickly retiring now. So how is that possible? By listening to wise counsel. Proverbs 19.20 says, Listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. Here's the course we're recommending. Once again, it's called Financial Peace University by Dave Ramsey. If a church near you is not offering this amazing class, we recommend that you purchase it yourself using the link on our resource page and invite friends and family to watch it with you. Just go to stewardshipandromance.com slash resources. Then scroll down a little and look for the two photos that are marked finances. And you can purchase either the class or the book. So if you can't purchase the class, then per- at least purchase the book. That'll be of great value too. And be sure to let us know what a difference it has made in your life. And we'd love to hear from you. Mm-hmm. Anything else you'd like to add, Nick? Just, just know that it's it, it becomes um, more of a pattern to see the blessings that come from giving. Um, when I, the trap would be saying, "I'm going to give because I'm going to get something back," so you don't want to do that. But you just need to know that when it when you do do that, when you give, you're going to start noticing things. So it's good to make a note of what happens after you've given something because it builds your faith. And it's not like you want to give because you're going to get something, but it's just there's many times that you might not even know what you received in that moment. But it's more blessed to give than receive. So just just keep obeying the Holy Spirit. That's right. Okay, let's do a quick review of this episode. Number one, give cheerfully, mm-hmm. not under compulsion. Secondly, as the Lord leads, embrace the three phases of giving, which are tithing, impact giving, and legacy giving. Tithing is where we give 10%, acknowledging that it all belongs to God. Impact giving is where we're giving beyond our tithe. And legacy giving means that someone else, after we're gone, is going to receive something. Number three, guard your heart. Guard against idolatry by regular and generous giving. Check your motivation for giving and be content with what you have. And number four, keep on learning by studying the Word and listening to godly teachers. And Dave Ramsey's not the only one, but he's a great one uh, to listen to. He's got a lot of experience, and there's thousands of people that have had their lives completely changed by embracing the teaching, which is based on the Word. So this concludes Episode 6 the blessing of giving. In episode seven, we'll address the topic of financial management, another very practical topic. So be watching for that one. And if you're listening while you're driving right now, no worries. When you stop, go to the show notes for this episode, which you can find on stewardshipandromance.com 
slash resources. And all the episode notes are there. Just click on it and you can listen to the podcast again right there on the website along with the notes. And then as you go through the notes, you'll see different links to products that you can click on. And and we greatly encourage you to use those because what we're sharing in the podcast is just an introduction to each subject. It's not the not the end all. So there's a lot more depth you can get to by going to those resources. And thanks for using those links. And that does support this ministry. So thanks for sharing this episode with your friends. So let's say our rallying cry now that's based on John 14, 26. And that is, by the Holy Spirit, I can do it. Here we go. One, two, three. By, by the, the Holy, Holy Spirit, Spirit, I can, can do it. it.